What's up, guys? Welcome back to Sit Down with Sid podcast, season two, episode number four. Our guest today is a keynote speaker, author, and a personal and a professional development coach who focuses on overcoming substance abuse and mental health disorders. He helps men, he helps men break their addictions and discover their purpose through his Talk Man Talk coaching program, which we will dive into the podcast. Uh, that being said, uh, it's an honor for me to welcome Timothy Stewart. AKA Talk Man Talk. Hey Tim. How you doing, Sid? How you doing, man? I am so um grateful to have the opportunity to sit down with Sid. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so man. much for having me on your show. No, not a problem. And it's an honor for us. And you know, your smile is contagious. So it's it's good to have people laughing here. You know, today's Friday as well here. Um that being said, uh, Tim, before we kind of dive into the podcast, would you mind telling our audience a little bit about your um, your background, your upbringing, et cetera? Sure, sure. Uh, I'm originally from North Carolina. I grew up on a 500-acre farm, uh, you know, and it, it was kind of like our hard work was instilled in me right from my landing here on planet Earth. I uh, I went to high school. I went to school like everyone else. I signed up to go in the Air Force uh, right after high school, so didn't have a lot of time to kind of hang out and figure out things. I just jumped right into the Air Force and had a chance to go overseas at 17 years old, 18 years old. I was overseas in a different country where, you know, there's different languages being spoken, all different kind of cultures of people. and, And, you know, and so from a you know, a country boy on a 500 acre farm where, you know, I had horses and cows and chickens and, you know, um, that I hung out with. Now I'm in a whole different country with a different culture. Really, really appreciated that experience. So uh, I, I, I once I exited the military, I came back to the U.S. Uh, I landed positions in corporate America. I worked in corporate America IBM, UPS uh, for for quite a number of years. And, you know, my story is uh, I started, you know, abusing substances, marijuana at a very early age. And eventually it led me to rock bottom. You know, my my personal life kind of overshadowed and overruled my professional life. And at 40 years old, I found myself homeless, hopeless, penniless. Uh, thanks, Tim, for sharing this. So I want to get back into, I want to dive into, you know, how at the age of 12, you were introduced to marijuana. How did that happen? Was it like the buddies hanging out together? Hey, let's give this a try. How did that come along? Okay, great question. Uh, no, it was kind of like um, I had a, a family member, a relative that that introduced me to it. This was one of my favorite cousins. I love this brother. I still love this brother to today. We're still close. Um, but he was five years older than me. And so when I was 10, he was 15. So he was kind of, and he was, he grew up in the city. He was from Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. And so during the summers, he and his brothers would come to the country so they could work on the farm, make some money so they could buy school clothes for the next year, uh, for the next school year. And so, um, you know, I started smoking cigarettes, hanging out with him and, you know, at 15, that's kind of like a normal age. But me, I mean, I'm five years younger than him. And so, you know, I was introduced to marijuana. And what happened when he left 
and he would go back to Cincinnati for their school year, Ohio. Um, you know, I was stuck. I was left on the farm and my playmates were 45, 50 year old men. That's who I hung out with when okay. I came home from school, you know, in the sixth, seventh grade, uh, I hung out with 45, 50 year old men. And, you know, they drank alcohol, they smoked cigarettes. They didn't mess with the weed too much, but, you know, I knew how to mask it. I learned how to use and still function at a very early age where I could almost disguise it. Okay. Uh, so let me ask you now, your cousin went back, you were hanging out with this, you know, 40, 50 year old people. Um, how did this addiction led to use of, you know, such as cocaine, you know, which is on another level? How did that come along? And, and before I ask you that, I want to know, I know you said after high school, you went to Air Force and then you joined the military and et cetera. Uh-huh. Was, did you had this addiction all that time, even when you were um, deployed in Air Force and Ab- military? Absolutely. Well, what happened was alcohol really wasn't my thing, you know, but it was socially acceptable back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my, my, I had family that they sold alcohol and, <clears throat> and what happened the, the marijuana, it, it, I was addicted right from the start. I smoked it all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I, when I entered into the military, of course I had to let that go because they do random drug right. screens. Right. So the drinking kicked in more. So when I got to Germany, you know, in the U S you can't buy alcohol until you're 21 years old. Right. Well, well in the military, you can buy alcohol at 18 on base. Oh, and so, okay. yeah. And so I learned, you know, how to use one substance for another. Didn't really like alcohol the way I, I you know, I, I, I smoked marijuana, <clears throat> but uh, uh, it sufficed. Okay. It sufficed. And what happened, I, using substances became part of my way of dealing with anything that, that didn't feel right for me. It became my social, how I dealt with rejection, mm-hmm. uh, problems, how I. Like an outlet for you. It was kind an of. outlet for me, but it was, it became, that was my go-to. Anytime, okay. Oh, okay. anytime I felt something that I didn't want to feel, I knew how to change and alter my feeling. Okay. So that's how. It... And that's how it kind of. You know, addiction is progressive, right? right? It's it's always progressive. And so it went from the marijuana to the alcohol. Um, once I exited the military, I was introduced to cocaine and 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 that just it, it just continued and it escalated into crack. And that's and where you I were doing all and you were doing all this also while you were employed with uh, in your in the corporate sector as well. And went to work every day for a long time, Sid. I was what they call a functioning addict. I mean, I would get loaded all night. I may get one or two hours of sleep and go to work and work oh all God. day. And then, you know, do the same thing. It was insidious. It was compulsive. Um, and and so, you know, it's kind of like, and I would lie to myself and say, you know what? I'm not drinking today. I'm not getting loaded today. I'm not smoking no crack today. But five o'clock, 
in the you know in the afternoon once I got off work, it was like some energy came from somewhere and I was off to the races. And the next morning I'm feeling just like toe up from the floor. I'm dragging to go to work, but I get into work because I was so accustomed to working. You know, I worked on a farm. We worked seven days a week. So working was an environment, a mindset that I could handle pretty much under any kind of condition. Wow. And I would perform well. I, I would actually perform well. So let me ask you now, fast forward. Now, you know, when you turned 40, you went into a very dark place, you know, you, yeah. as you said, homeless, hopeless, and penniless. And, you know, you had two pair of pants, two shirts, and around $8 in your pocket. What led you to that point in life? I mean, working for companies like, you know, UPS, IBM, these are, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. So you are, you have a great job, great career. How did you fall all the way from sky to the ground like that? You know, what happened? Well, I had went to treatment 11 times before that 12th time. So I could get clean. I'd be clean for a little while, mm -hmm. clean up, get a good career, a good job. And then it would kick back in. And then, the, you know, eventually uh, it would take over me again. I would go into a treatment center. Um, when I landed at that uh, homeless shelter at 40 years old, wasn't the first time I had been homeless. Oh. I had been homeless before, right? A couple times. Because, you know, I, I would walk away from jobs because I was so run down. Can you imagine I'm getting two hours of sleep a day and then, all, you know, every dollar that I get, I'm spending it and, and feeding this addiction. And at some point, your body just says, you know what, that's enough. Shutting it down. Couldn't couldn't go no more. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I was living in New York and, and my mom called me in her office one day. And she said, son, you know. Um, I'll, I, I, I'll always love you. I don't like how you're living, but I want you to know I bought a $10,000 insurance policy to bury you with because you ain't going to make it. Wow. At that point, I had lost everything. I had lost my marriage. I didn't have, you know, no connection with my daughter. Um, I had had another daughter. Um, I, I, I was not a part of their, their lives. I was not a responsible, productive member of society. And I actually felt like giving up. Mm -hmm. And when my mom told me that, I said, you know, I got to give this thing one more shot because I had given up. I mean, I had prayed, God, just take me. I'm ready to go. But for some reason, Sid, my daughter, you know, I had cleaned up for my daughter. And, you know, I was I watched her for a while because I was unemployed while her mother went to work. And so I, I raised her like I remember her taking her first step. And I said, I do not want my daughter growing up and people tell her her dad is a crackhead. I, I just, I got to give this thing one more shot. So I bought a one-way ticket. I bought a one-way ticket to California. Long story short, I got scared on the bus. Um, it stopped in Indianapolis. We changed buses. It said St. Louis. And I said, that's where I'm going. And I started all over. When I landed in St. Louis, I had yeah, two pair of pants, two shirts, $8 in my pocket. Had never been there, didn't know a soul. And, you know, because I was a veteran, I went through another treatment center um, in St. Louis. I, I, I knew how to get clean. I didn't know how to stay clean and sober. Got it. 
And, 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 you know, at this point, I was so numb. I was just, I felt hopeless. Like, there's no hope for me. And at that 12th rehab center, I had this revelation that drugs and alcohol were not my problem. Mm -hmm. That my way of thinking was my problem. And for some reason, I didn't understand all that encompassed at that time. But it was almost like I had a new operating system. Okay, I've been fighting the wrong thing. I've been fighting the drugs and alcohol. That's not the problem. It's kind of like, I tell the story, it's kind of like a, a weed in your yard. If you break the weed off at the top of the dirt, you come out a couple days later, the weed is right back. But if you pull it up from the root, it's not coming back. Right. So I had been breaking the weed off at the top of the dirt, staying away from the people, places, and things, and you know, not using for a while, but it kept popping back up because I hadn't pulled up the root. I didn't think there was anything wrong with my thinking. I was quick on my feet. I could get jobs that people with degrees had to get. You know, I, I you know, I worked very hard. I was always outperforming everybody, my peers. What was wrong with my thinking? But after waking up in a homeless shelter, sleeping on, sleeping on the floor for two weeks, right? 40 years old with nothing, 1,500 miles away from all of my family and friends. Yeah, there might be something wrong with your thinking. Right. What's a hard sell at that point? So, so how long has this journey been going on? Like, when did you establish yourself and I'm sure it must not be an easy road uh, for you, as you said, away from friends, families, in a new state, you know, new people, new environment, new jobs. Did you ever got tempted to go back to this uh, addiction uh, problem? You know, what happened, you know, when, when, I, when I received that revelation that my thinking was my problem, I said, well, I need to learn how to think. And it gave me a new, a new task, if you will, a, a new objective. And I didn't want to go back. I, I had, I knew what would happen. I had experienced that 11 times. I've been in treatment 11 times. So I know if I pick up anything at some point, because I would stay clean for six months, a year. I had a couple of years clean, but I would always kind of trick myself and say, well, you know, Maybe one ain't going to hurt me or, you know, I'll just drink. I'm not going to smoke any crap, but it always led me back to that. Yeah. There was no question in my mind what would happen. So it wasn't difficult and it's not even difficult for it's, It hasn't been difficult since 18 years later. I'm coming up April this year will be uh, 19 years for me. And the desire <clears throat> to use any kind of chemical has been gone from me. It has been lifted. That obsession and compulsion, um, I don't, I no longer have that. Period. I can now I don't hang out, you know, in places where people engage Correct. in those kind of activities. I can go to a bar with my friends and I can drink Pepsi with lemon in it. And it doesn't bother me that they drink alcohol. Some people can drink alcohol and be responsible with yeah. it. I can't. And I and I accept that. But that's really good. This talks about your self-discipline, 
and I and I have to say, being in Air Force and military plays a very important role in the, in that self discipline that you have, you know, over the last nineteen years. Yes, absolutely, and that's what allowed me to your question when I was in, you know, St. Louis, because I had been in the military, I had experience being in Germany and not knowing anybody and not not knowing how to speak the language, you know, I, I was just. It, it, it was kind of the same, sorry about that, same thing. Um, and, and, and it didn't bother me that, you know, I did miss being away from my family, right? Um, but I had been there before. That's amazing. Wow, what an amazing feat. Uh, so I want to talk about your book. Actually, before I talk about your book, I want to I wanna ask you something. If I wanted to ask you, to explain the difference between addiction and depression, would you be able to tell our audience the difference? Because I'm sure with addiction comes depression. Correct me if I'm wrong, you know? Depression is certainly a component of addiction. It is a component, okay. It is a component of addiction. But here, here's what I learned. And, and, and here's what some of, the, of our programs in our society some of them fail because we think addiction and depression, which is a mental illness, and, and, and it depends, have to be very, very careful here because some, some people can experience depression without addiction. Right. But when we talk about uh, depression as a, a, a result of addiction, because now I'm living a lifestyle that I'm not proud of. I'm doing something that is against my will. I don't know how to stop. Now I'm depressed. That's a different kind of depression than someone who's dealing with something else. But all of those, the majority of them are only symptoms, Sid. They're not the problem. Addiction and depression is a symptom. And we can know a symptom by a sign. A problem is denoted by a cause. That's very well said. The, 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 my problem was my thinking. The addiction was a sign. It's kind of like in our bodies, right? When we get a pain in our hand, that's not the problem. That's the indication that there is a problem. Correct. So addiction is an indication. You know, we look at teenage suicide, we look at divorce, those are all signs, symptoms of a problem. The most, the greatest problem, you just said it, that I have discovered in my life and people that I work with is a lack of self-government. Yes. That's why I promote these principles. Honesty, hope, faith, courage, integrity, Willingness, humility, discipline, forgiveness, acceptance, awareness, and gratitude. All of those principles are principles designed to self-govern myself. That, that was my problem. I didn't know how to control myself. It wasn't that my cousin introduced me to marijuana or another person introduced me to cocaine or alcohol 
that wasn't the problem. The problem was my lack of self-government to, to make a decision to say, those are not, those won't serve me well. Engaging in using those substances won't serve me. That makes sense. I want to talk about your book, Free Yourself from Free Yourself from Yourself, Fail-Proof Principles for Addiction Recovery. Talk us about this book, you know. How long ago did you publish it and uh, where is it available so our audience knows? And also we will put the description, we will put the link of the book for people to buy on the description as well, along with your website, all the Instagram, social media channels, which also I would like you to tell the people, you know, on this podcast, you know, where they can reach out to you. So let's talk about this book, you know, how did this come along, uh, I mean, how did this come along and <laughs> what has been the response and, 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 and pretty much, you know, what's your purpose, you know, from God to do this, you know? Man, that is a great, great question. I got goosebumps from that. Wow. That's a great question, Sid. Um, I discovered my gift, mm -hmm. you know, at 45 years old, I discovered that my gift was speaking. That's what I love to do. i I, I I was doing it in the kindergarten, first, second, third grade. I always stayed in trouble for talking in class. And I discovered this was my gift. And so I wanted to speak to audiences. I wanted to, you know, at, at five years clean and sober, I wanted to share with the world what I had discovered that was now allowing me to live a lifestyle of morality and integrity uh, and th that I had become an acceptable, responsible productive member of society. And people in the industry said, hey, if you want to attract more speaking opportunities, you have to become an author. Because once you become an author, then you are considered a subject matter expert. Writing wasn't really my thing. I didn't, you know, I wasn't really that gifted. I could write, but not on a professional level like that. So I said, well, I do want to speak. Right. So, you know, let me see about this writing. <clears throat> and I, I grabbed a couple books from some people. They told me, say, hey, I wrote a book and and I read it and I was like, hmm. It, it, it didn't make sense. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I said, if I'm going to write a book, I'm going to make sure the book is has information where people can identify. They can get some information, some identification and some understanding of what they're dealing with. So it took me five years to write this book. I quit wow. twice. I quit twice. I said, because I'm trying to, what I'm trying to comp compile 30, 40 years in this book. And I don't know what to leave out, what to put in. And I want to arrange it so people can understand it. I want a person who is 10 years old to be able to read this book like a 65 year old and they both can get something from, they can get some understanding. And so that was the greatest challenge. Um, but I finally ran into a book coach, a couple of book coaches and they helped me organize my thoughts and to get them in a linear alignment so that the story made sense, right? A person could follow along and get a visual of what I was talking about. And so we released the book in 2021. Mm -hmm. No, 2020, I'm sorry. And uh, the book has done quite well. Uh, I am very, very proud of the book. Uh, uh, really, I, 
not because I wrote the book, Sid, but because the information, anybody who is dealing with leadership, uh, they don't know who they are, identification, who am I, um, understanding purpose, dealing with substance abuse, they can get this book and get some solid information on how to discover why they are here or what dilemmas they may be dealing with. It's a strategy that not only works for me, but has worked for thousands, millions of other people. These principles are valid. They are what we call, um, what is that? They've been proven. They've been validated. They will work for anybody. That's what I love about a principle. Now, what's so unique, Sid, is I didn't realize when I wrote the book that the, I was going to be promoting these principles like this. Had no idea, had no clue. And that, to your point, that's how God revealed it to me, one piece at a time. Now we're getting these principles up in schools and universities and colleges to help change the culture in those communities. A principle is a law. Everything, everything on, on, in this life functions by law. Law is the foundation for creation. Everything exists on law. Everything functions by law. Everything is created by law, right? And a principle is nothing more than a law. It is a fundamental law that guides our decision-making process empowering us to live a lifestyle of integrity and morality. We don't think about how law informs our behavior, but it actually does. Keeps you out of trouble for sure. Hello. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it informs sure. our behavior, right? And so that's what changed my life. You know, I, I had tried a lot of different things, but these 12 principles said took a person who was homeless, hopeless and penniless. You're looking at somebody who was crawling around on the floor, trying to find crack rocks, would smoke anything that would melt, peeping out the window, looking for police, scared, uh, just crazed, living on an animalistic level to a, a, a person that can have a conversation and be on a show with Sid. Man, these principles work. So, I don't so just promote them. I, I practice. I still practice them every day in my life. That's amazing. And and you said you you promote these in schools, colleges. Yeah. So we we have some um, we have Talk these posters. About that, yeah. Sure. Yeah, we have these posters. We have journals um that we're looking to get into um freshmen coming into these universities um where they can where these principles are valid because these principles promote self government. And what's so powerful about self-government, Sid, is that people who govern themselves don't need policing. Self-government is the most powerful government on the planet. Not Republican, not Democratic, not independent. Self-government is the most powerful government on the planet, right? That is true. And, and so the more people in our society and our culture see these principles, right? And it, it, it's, it's, it's almost like programming. I see them, I see them, I see them. I start thinking about them. 
I start thinking about them. Now I start implementing them because they will produce positive results. Now, what's so, what's so beautiful about principles and laws is that number one, they are universal. They will work anywhere from United States to Japan, to Europe, they're valid. Right. Number two, they are not partial to a particular race, ethnic group, or belief system. They work for anybody. Uh, number three is they are permanent. They won't change. They are the same 20 years ago <laughs> as they are right now, right? And so I can, I can be confident when I, when I speak to people in positions of leadership and, you know, institutions and schools, uh, students, that these principles will work for you the same way they work for me. They are valid in the boardroom, the locker room, the living room, the classroom, even the bedroom. They're valid in all rooms. I guess that's why you use the word fail-proof principles. That's right. They're not going to fail. They're not going to fail. So, you so the You can't break a law. A law can't. breaks you. That's true. So let me ask you, the journal that you showed us now, uh, is that available to the public? Yes, uh, it is. Give us more information on you know, okay. where they can find this and, and so forth, and we will be happy to put that as well in the description. You know, Sid, I thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. I just launched my new my new website about three three weeks ago, about a month ago now, and everything pretty much about me and who I am and what I promote is on the site. So I have a a link on the site, uh, FYFY online store. Okay. So you can get a copy of the book. You can get the link. Uh, it's also on Amazon. Free yourself yes. from yourself by Tim Stewart is also on Amazon. But you can go to my site. You can get the link right there. You can order the posters to put on the wall. Um, you can order cups, T-shirts, mugs, um, the journals. And if you, if you look at it, this is kind of how I look at it. You ask me, you know, my assignment. This has become my work, right? What I was created to do. I've accepted that. I've discovered my purpose. Right. The first thing I had to do was free myself from myself because I was the one that continued to put myself in those situations and circumstances. So that was the first step to free myself from myself. Once I did that, the weeds were clear. Now I discovered my purpose. There's no substitute for purpose, Sid. No substitute. So now when I discovered my purpose, it created a conviction. Now I know why I'm here. I know what I'm born to do. That conviction produced a vision. That was my purpose in pictures. My purpose is what I was created to do. Now my vision, I see it. Now when I talk to people, you know, that, that vision ignited a passion in me. People who talk to me, they feel my passion. They listen to me. That's influence. And now we have leadership. So Tim, I now I want to talk about your Talkman Talk coaching program. Uh, tell us something. Is that something that is different from all the things that you have shared so far, including the twelve principles? Um, and, and how can one go about it? You know, how can people reach out to you for a coaching program? Do you offer one-on-one? -on -one? Do you offer corporate? Uh, take us through this. You know. 
Sure. So, so I only teach one program, Sid, and that's these 12 principles, right? You know, um, I'm 58 years old and, and it seems like, and I'm still learning. And the more I learn, it seems the simpler life becomes. Life, love, relationships, business. These 12 principles, that's what I love about them. They are so, they are one, one program is valid in every area of my life, right? And what I do with individuals, you know, we have, we meet and we help discover what we look at what's happening in their life, reality. You know, I, 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 I base things on what's really happening. And then I help individuals discover who they are, why they're here, what they can do, right? Sometimes even where they come from, because heritage can play a, a major part in how a person behaves, because how we think, what we believe dictates how we behave, right? Yes. And then we learn how to incorporate these principles in every area of our life. We get an understanding of them, right? We talk about these principles. We look at scenarios and filter these scenarios through these principles and let these principles dictate the decision. The objective is, is to create healthy habits because we are creatures of habit, habits, right? Yes. And habits dictate our future. We decide our habits, but our habits <laughs> dictate our future. So, so the program is, is simplistic, but it works. That's amazing. I want to ask you one thing, you know, since you were also uh, employed in a corporate structure, um, if, if you were to give a message to the youth listening to this, who want to be an entrepreneur like yourself, uh -huh. what is the biggest difference that you think is on the, uh, on the entrepreneurship side that helps you with your personal and professional growth? Great question. You know, I, I, work at, I work in the college system, right? And I meet people every day, every week, Sid, who have gone to school, who have earned degrees, invested time and money for training, probably making good money, but they're miserable because they went to school or engaged in this activity based on the economic potential mm -hmm. or someone else's opinion. What I coach young people to do is discover your gift. Everything comes, comes to this planet with a gift trapped inside of it. Everything. A bird comes here with a gift of flight. Nobody puts flight in a bird. A fish comes here with a gift of swim. Nobody puts swim in a fish. A mango seed. The gift trapped inside of a mango seed is a mango tree. But guess what? Environments matter. You can sit that mango seed on your counter and it'll sit there for 30 years and the tree will never come out. It's in the wrong environment. So you take that same seed, drop it in some, some soil, give it some more some sunlight, and boom, here comes the tree, the future and the, the forest, right? So each individual needs to discover what their unique purpose is. That's... Purpose starts with discovering, I mean, success starts with discovering what your purpose is. 
my brother can take cars apart and he likes to paint. I'm not good at that. But give me a microphone, stand me in front of 3,000 people at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'll give you a presentation, knock your socks off. Because I discovered my gift. We were all created with a gift to fulfill a purpose. Sometimes we discover the gift first. See, here's the thing, Sid. Everybody is a leader. Every human being, 8 billion people, come to this planet and we're, we are a leader. We have the ability. We come here with it. It's the mentality that must match the ability to fulfill the purpose and, and, and we'll have a lifestyle, we'll live a lifestyle that is unmanageable. I really, I really love your mindset, man. I really love your approach, how you see things. You're a person of depth. I can, I can tell, you know, how you relate things is, is wisdom 101, you know, Thank uh, you. and, and that comes with, as you said, experience and life is the best teacher, you know? So, um, a couple of other things before we wrap this up is okay. I want you to please tell our audience where they can reach you. Uh, give us uh, some information on your social media handles and uh, take it from here. Okay, sure. Well, my website is talkmantalk.com. Um, you can pretty much find out, you know, about my coaching program. Um, if you're anybody's looking for a speaker, certainly uh, I have, the, the contact links there. You can fill out some forms. I even have um, for my coaching uh, a 15 minute discovery call where we is no charge for that. You can reach out to me, send me a message. We'll get it on the calendar and we'll sit down and have a, a call to make sure we are the right fit to work with one another. Because, you know, some people are ready, some people are not. We want to make sure, you know, that we are the right fit to work with to work together. I take this pretty serious. You know, um, changing lives is serious business, right? I don't play with it, right? And so, um, but as I said, I have an online store there. Um, as far as social media, Talk Man Talk, no spaces. Talk Man Talk uh, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, uh, you know, you name it. I'm pretty much on those social media channels. And, 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 you know, if you Google me, if you type in talk, man, talk, no spaces, I'm going to pop up. That's amazing. I have this urge of asking you this question, talk, man, talk. You know, how did that, I know you said you were good at talking, but how did you come up with that? Because it's, it's pretty catchy, you know? <laughs> Great question. So I was always a Michael Jordan fan, right? Okay. And, and here's the story. So at 45 years old, I had been, I had been clean for five years, Sid. Right. That was the longest I had been clean in 12 since I was 12 years old. Wow. Right. And I was I bought a new home and I'm walking around in my home one Saturday morning and I, I'm feeling so much gratitude. I'm like, man, how did I get here? Right. I have come from a homeless shelter, sleeping on the floor to owning my own home. And I said, well, yo, what am I going to do now? I've conquered the biggest thing that's held me down. And I had this revelation of, you always like sharing information. Won't you be a speaker? And I said, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> and I've always been a Michael Jordan fan. So when Michael Jordan came into the league, 
He was jump man jump. I said, I'm gonna be talk man talk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that. No, I know. <laughs> if you're gonna follow the best, right? Follow the best. <laughs> I really love this. Tim, this has been just a blast. You know, it's it's been really engageful and like you know, very interactive, so much. Uh, I learned a lot from you as well here. Um, you know, any message you would like to give to our audience watching this podcast, you know, let's wrap this up. Take take it yeah. away from here, you know. I would just encourage anybody, my, my message is the same, you know, um, self-government is the most powerful government on the planet. We are responsible for our lives. Um, don't be Don't be dragged by your problems. Be led by your dreams governed by the priorities of freeing yourself from yourself and discovering your purpose. Until we discover who we are, we will always become somebody else. Become yourself. Become yourself. Love it, Tim. That's, I think that's one of the best messages we have received on this podcast. Um, our audience will thank you as well for this uh, amazing talk we had. And, yeah. you know, we want to wish you all the very best you know, and uh, it was a pleasure talking with you and uh, we'll catch up soon. Yes, my friend. Take care. Appreciate you so much. Anytime you reach out to me, anytime, Sid. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Thanks, Tim. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, Take, buddy. Care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.